Welcome to a tech moment on Cannabis Tech. I'm your host, Christina Etter. In this podcast, we take just a few minutes to talk about some of the exciting science and technology that is shaping and changing the cannabis industry as we know it. Now, if you've been watching the headlines at all, whether you're interested in the cannabis industry or not, if you've been keeping up on business, we've seen changes happening now out on the West Coast, more specifically, Silicon Valley. As the great tech exodus is taking center stage in the tech news. Since the pandemic began and people started realizing that they could essentially work from anywhere and for anyone, many in the technology industry now are kind of exiting stage left, or at least they're searching for new options. My guest today is taking advantage of this sudden change of heart and encouraging those leaving big tech to look for greener pastures in cannabis. Vince Ning is the CEO of Navis, a leading distributor of cannabis products in California, supplying a quarter billion dollars worth of products per year in the state of California. With his expertise forged at Microsoft and his prior company, later he sold to Amazon, Vince has firsthand experience transitioning into the cannabis industry, and now he's actively recruiting and encouraging those in big tech to explore their options. Welcome to the show, Vince. Thanks, Christina. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, um, and you know, super exciting um, audience and captivating audience that you guys have. And um, you're absolutely right; there is a big exodus in tech, um, and cannabis is, um, you know, major booming industry that I think aligns with a lot of the cultural values of tech workers. You know, as a former tech refugee myself, I can't agree more. You know, there's just something about being able to use the skills that I spent decades forging and then coming to cannabis where I get more of kind of, I want to call it that warm, fuzzy experience. You know, I feel like I'm doing good or doing something that's um, bigger than what I was doing before. So it, it's a lot of fun for me all being from the tech industry too. But before we dive into everything with what you're working on today, let's talk a little bit more about you and your background. You know, I know that you came from big tech. So talk to our audience a little bit about what you did before and then what you're doing now and what was it about the cannabis industry that really kind of lured you in? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I started off my career uh, actually joining big tech um, and uh, you know found myself working as a software engineer at Microsoft. Um, and through that, I learned quite a bit of um, you know how software development works uh, and the processes that are needed to support building large-scale systems. Um, and uh, you know, my I guess personally speaking, I've always just had side projects. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I've always just wanted to solve problems. Um, and you know, working at big tech wasn't necessarily uh, the place for me to do that, but it was a good place to learn um, certain skill professional skill sets and. Following my stint at Microsoft, I um, actually moved down to the Bay Area um, and started another company, um, also in, in the enterprise tech tools space. And uh, you know, from there, built that company to hosting about 6,000 apps in production. We were an app development platform, and um, that ended up getting, uh, we raised a bunch of money from out, uh, coming out of Y Combinator, and then we ended up selling it to Amazon. So now it's a Amazon Web Services product uh, called AppSync. And, Throughout those sort of two uh, ends of the spectrum in terms of uh, experience, I realized that I really wanted to um, you know, help a burgeoning new industry grow, um, one with you know, huge market potential from like just a business standpoint, but also one that 
um, I personally felt passionate about. And cannabis was certainly one that, uh, uh, that kind of married the two together. Um, and so knowing nothing really about the cannabis space besides just being a consumer, um, you know, I, I mid-2017, I set forth into the industry to really learn um, about how the industry uh, was set up at the time. Um, and knowing how far out the projections and how, how large they were going to be, um, just took a look at the landscape and thought, wow, this isn't really going to support an industry that's going to grow uh, 10 times over the next five years. And uh, that was also around the time that cannabis was recreationally legalizing in California. Um, and so it was a really interesting time um, to be jumping into a space when the whole landscape and playing field was about to change. And so um, for me, it was really interesting to be able to, and, and still very exciting for me to be able to know that uh, nothing existed before, um, you know, what is today in the cannabis industry from like a legal infrastructure standpoint. Um, and so, you know, tech always has this mantra of like disrupting incumbents in cannabis. There are no real, uh, big incumbents, uh, and we're all you know, fighting the illicit market right now. And so that's, what's, um, really refreshing is that we're all working together to build something rather than disrupt something. Absolutely. So. Let's take a, a, a little step backwards from that even, and tell me what was it about technology in general that, that you looked for when you, when you started working in technology, then what shifted? What was it for you that changed, that made you start thinking that maybe you didn't wanna work for big tech anymore, maybe you didn't wanna work for Microsoft, or you didn't wanna work for Amazon, and then what was kind of that aha moment for you that I think I'm gonna go into cannabis? Yeah, I mean, I think when it as it pertains to traditional Silicon Valley tech, um, you know, the, a lot of a lot of us, you know, live in a bubble, and so there's uh, a lot of solutions that get created that don't uh, necessarily address largely impactful problems. Um, they're just further optimizations on top of existing um, problems that have already been solved once or twice before, um, in in a technological way, and. You know, cannabis was uh, definitely just something that just needed a lot of advancement from a tech sophistication standpoint. Um, and so, you know, with with a lot of low hanging fruit, I thought that um, software and technology could really drive a ton of value. Um, and and the other thing was that it was it was also um, fun and exciting to be able to build technology that manipulates something in the real world. Um, and, you know, with normal SaaS companies today, they're all cloud-based and um, everything just has a website. Um, in, in this industry, you kind of need to be on the ground level as well. Um, and the exciting part is that the software that you build actually helps move products from point A to point B um, and gets there efficiently and cost-effectively. Fantastic. You know, I, I, I love that idea of, um you know, being able to see so much potential. And I, I think that's kind of what, what it was for me too. I started at the, the bottom of the totem pole working as a bud tender here in Denver. And just in that role, just from what I learned in, in that experience, I, with my experience in, in information technology in the corporate world, I too saw that, that potential that there was so much that could be done and hasn't and wasn't being done yet when I came into the industry back in 2016. So it's definitely been interesting to see how software and technology 
and and people like you, for example, that have experience in these things and that are coming to the industry and helping the industry evolve into this more um, legitimate role is what I kind of want to call it. So now when you left the world, according to Microsoft and, and came over to the cannabis industry, what were what were kind of some of the challenges there? And I mean, what was tell us a little bit about the evolution of Navis and your company. You know, what kind of made you um, what was that startup like? And, and what was the the initial thought process in, in building out your platform? Hey guys, Christy from Cannabis Tech here. Sorry to interrupt this podcast, but while I've got your attention, I wanted to make sure that you've gone over to sign up for our newsletter at CannabisTech.com. We've recently redesigned it to highlight some of the cool things that we're working on, share some interesting cannabis business news that we've read, and even added a little room for some commentary each week from yours truly. So when you're done with this podcast, don't forget to visit us at CannabisTech.com and sign up today. Now back to your show. Yeah, um, you know, back in 2017, as I mentioned earlier, there just wasn't real uh, scalable infrastructure, um, like physical infrastructure. And so, you know, as a technologist, you're always looking to see if there's infrastructure that you can um, build automation around. Uh, but in cannabis, that just didn't exist before. So um, ironically, uh, you know, being predisposed to building software first for a company, um, we actually ended up buying a truck first and started delivering products um, on behalf of certain friends. And, um, and uh, we delivered products all across the state to meet folks in the industry. We knew we had to really start on the ground level and build the right relationships. Otherwise, uh, you know, building just technology for the sake of technology doesn't actually address real problems um, in, a, in, a full, fully, uh, in a fully fleshed way. Um, and so for us, like for the first three years, we built up a logistics solution for the cannabis industry. Um, now we ship, like you mentioned, around a quarter billion dollars worth of cannabis products a year. And uh, throughout that time, we've built up quite a bit of technology that helps automate and make our, um, our, our, pro our fulfillment process uh, more scalable, more efficient, um, and handles everything on the compliance side as well. Um, and through that process, we've gained, we now ship around 10% of the California market. It gives us um, quite a wealth of data around legal cannabis sales um, and financial information that we use to power other software value-added services, um, such as financial lending, such as our online wholesale marketplace um, and analytics tools. Um, those are more common that you see in the uh, traditional SaaS space. But you know, we knew we really needed to build the actual ground-level infrastructure first before we went and built all these crazy, sophisticated technological tools, because um, ultimately we needed a strong foundation. Um, and the industry just didn't have it at the time. Um, so that was really my foray into getting into cannabis and what I've spent a lot of my time doing uh, for the first couple of years of the company before really expanding upon it to building this fully fleshed platform. Interesting. Now, what were, um, I guess, what were some of the challenges in transitioning from the more mainstream tech world into cannabis? Were there some hangups along the way that uh, that really kind of stand out in your mind? Like what were some of the things that really kind of caused some some roadblocks for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, coming from the SaaS world, uh, 
when you write a piece of code and tell a computer to do something, it follows that instruction every single time. Um, and uh, you know, there's there's really no argument there. Um, when you're dealing with uh, physical goods, when you're dealing with a supply chain, there's always fires, um, and there's always things get that can go wrong in the fit, in the real world um, that your software can't account for. Um, and so that was definitely a big transition in terms of um, you know how I saw. Uh, you know how I thought about building companies into where where we sit today here, um, and uh, a lot of uh, the way we build our software is to really mitigate risk of that um, and be able to um, ensure that our operations doesn't come crashing down uh, at the ground level. Um, and that's something. And one more thing I'll add to that is that um, in the first year of cannabis legalization and in ble bleeding into the second year. Um, the state was releasing emergency regulation uh, updates and amendments every you know six months, twelve months, and so um, apart from just building software, we had to keep track of regu regulations and ensure that we were operating in a compliant way. Um, so you know a lot of those things combined uh, definitely created a lot of uh, headache for us, um, but at the same time, we also realized that that's the kind of rigor that the industry needs in order to uh, move this regulated substance um, and ensure that consumers at the end of the day um, are protected from bad products. Um, and so that's, uh, we've always had a center around our compliance and our focus around operations beyond just uh, you know, our technological capabilities. Right. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, the, the, the rapidly changing environment and the changing regulations and the things that happen there. That's actually, I kind of joke with people when I talk about why I left technology. I was in, um, I used to work in mobile tech and I said that the cannabis industry changes so quickly that it's, it's very conducive to what I was doing before because with mobile technology, it was, it was always changing. There was something new. It was, there was, you know, new updates coming out, you know, every couple of months, it seems like a new phone was being outdated. And so in the cannabis industry, I feel like the changes and the regulation and everything that's happening here now kind of keeps with that same pace. So I really feel like I, I was able to easily transition into this, this rapidly changing environment. And, and uh, it's just so exciting to see all this come together like this. But now let's get on to the actual exodus, though because obviously you and I were some of the early adopters that, that left several years ago and said we were going to do something else. But you look at the headlines now, it appears that everybody's kind of looking for these opportunities or looking for something different. Um, I even read a headline the other day that said that some people were willing to turn down a $30,000 a year raise just in order to have the benefit of still being able to work from home. And that, that really kind of caught me off guard to think that, you know, was it the pandemic that really kind of made people realize that they can do their jobs from anywhere? Or like I said in the, in the intro, that they could work for anyone and in, in, in some of these circumstances. What was it really that you think kind of caused this shift and really started getting the, the tech industry to, to look for these alternatives, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I do think that COVID definitely had a big, uh, created a big mark on um, in this transition in mindset. Um, I think uh, for me, you know, if I was a software engineer around last year, as soon as all the news broke out around like Twitter allowing their employees to work from home remotely indefinitely, 
uh, Facebook, Google, all these like big ex established tech companies, it sort of sets a precedence. Um, and uh, you know, as as te as tech workers, you're a lot of people who work in tech actually like to be freelancers, just because um, they get the flexibility to work wherever, be wherever, and um, you know, help companies, um, not just mo help multiple companies, not just one, uh, with their skill set. Uh, given that you know, building software is an agnostic um, uh, profession, and so for. Uh, I think I think that sort of culture. All that has to say is I think the culture of working remotely has already existed and is a preference for tech workers. But then the big tipping catalyst was really just the um, you know big tech companies allowing for and setting the precedence for remote work uh, now and in the future. Um, and even as uh, companies want to return to the workplace, um, a lot of people are comfortable working at home, and some people want to move back into the office, but. I think what's going to end up settling out is really just um, you know having a, a hybrid approach where you can work in the office for a few days and you can work from home for a few days. Um, you know, grounded in the fact that um, in tech, it's always just more. It's not really about the number of hours you really work. Um, obviously, the more the better for an employer's perspective, but um, generally speaking, it's more about impact. And so, if you can get your work done. Um, get your features built, get your product released uh, into market. Um, that's really all that employers care about. It, it, they don't really necessarily care where you do it. Um, and uh, I think that that was really the big, uh, the big change uh, as of last year. I can absolutely see that. And it's interesting too. I, I, I still think we have yet to kind of feel the full ramifications of the lessons that we've learned from last year. You know, I'm, I'm anxious to kind of see how corporate real estate, you know, kind of advances from here on out in terms of working home from or working remotely. It's just the whole impact from last year, I think we have yet to really kind of grasp, but it's definitely interesting to see these, these early signs. And especially in the tech world, I think um, this, the shift happening. But what I want to touch on next is kind of your approach to this exodus, because you're you're kind of taking advantage of this opportunity as as the leader of a company, and you're actively recruiting some of these guys that are, and gals that are leaving big tech. So talk to me a little bit about that. What are your motives, and and what are you hoping to benefit from reaching out to these guys? Yeah, um, you know, from a tech recruitment perspective, uh, you know, a large part of our company's value is built upon the technology that we build. So, you know, we're always looking for um, finding the absolute best talent to bring onto the team. Um, and, you know, right now the talent prefers to be remote in a lot of respects. And so we want to be flexible um, to giving, to ensuring that employees get what, um, what they want as well uh, out of an employer-employee relationship. Um, you know, the, the folks on our team who work in uh, the engineering department and the product departments, um, they're pretty happy with being able to work from home. I think some of them want to be in the office. So as I mentioned earlier, the hybrid approach is um, kind of where I think things will shake out, at least for us. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that um, Moving forward, we 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 don't really we don't currently have a stake in the ground in terms of like when we will open up a corporate office, reopen up our corporate office. 
Um, but you know, it'll probably be sometime in the near future. Um, and, um, yeah, I think we're, we're also just taking advantage of it. Uh, personally speaking, I enjoy working from home. Um, I travel a lot anyways, um, for work. Uh, and so, um, being at home, not having to figure out yet another commuting solution to get to, uh, another destination is sometimes saves me a lot of time. Uh, however, I think the downside is just, I have back to back meetings now because no one ever factors in commute time. So, um, you know, there's, there's also that downside. So you kind of have to self self monitor your own schedule a bit more, uh, than, than usual. Uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've enjoyed this period of time so far. Um, and I think our team has as well. And, you know, for us, again, it's, it's all based upon impact. So if, if we can bring on the right talent, I, I don't, I personally have no preference in terms of where they work. Um, as long as they can work collaboratively with the team, um, make sure that product gets built really fast, um, and, and well. Great. So this, what I want to do next is really give you kind of that opportunity to kind of talk to some of these people that might be on the fence about whether or not they're, you know, ready to move into the cannabis industry. So from your own perspective, what is it, what is it about the cannabis industry that really um, is, is so alluring for, for tech people? I mean, why, why is the, te- the cannabis industry the next great thing, I think, for, for tech people? Yeah. Um, well, I think it's just that, you know, technologists are always looking to build, uh, by, you know, by, by definition, it's, it's, uh, they like to focus around the fringes of markets. Um, they're always looking to build bleeding edge tools. Um, and cannabis is in the broader economy, one of those bleeding edge industries that is about to explode. And so, and, and it currently is. Um, and so I think, um, from a technologist standpoint, they, they, it, this is an opportunity um, to, uh, you know, be able to build technology that hasn't ever been built before um, for an industry um, that is uh, that that has so much potential, as we were discussing earlier. Um, and so, with uh, with that in mind, I think um, you know the the other component is really just being able to build an existing, being able to build a brand new supply chain from scratch is a once in a lifetime sort of opportunity in a lot of ways, given that, um, you know, if you look at other supply chains out there in food and beverages or pharmaceuticals or alcohol, um, those supply chains were built even before the this thing called the internet existed. Um, and so to be able to build a whole new supply chain um, and add this thing called the internet, you can get pretty interesting solutions that you could never have built before. And if you try to go back and rework some of those other industries of supply chains, you're, you're met with a lot of friction because there's already incumbents that, that like to keep their position in the market. Um, so here you get, you get this greenfield pasture to really explore and build things from a first principles perspective and uh, add you know, modern technology into a supply chain um, and have it live on and last um, for the future. I am absolutely thrilled that you used the term, the once in a lifetime opportunity. I I just had an opportunity to interview another sector within cannabis that's kind of in that, in that realm and that's in architecture. And there's, there's a lot of new retail designs and architecture designs that are coming into play with cannabis. And, and he also mentioned this once in a lifetime opportunity to be at the beginning of a brand new industry. 
you know, that's not something that happens very often to build an industry from the ground up. And, and whether you're talking about distribution channels or whether you're talking about compliance software or SaaS software or anything within a new industry is going to have to be built specific to that industry. So I just feel like at the stage that we're in, in cannabis, there's, there's so many solutions and so many tools that have yet to be built. And I think as it continues to evolve, as regulations continue to change, as, as federal legalization starts to take place, I think that just increases the potential for the need for more technology tools, more compliance tools, all of these things that are kind of driving the legitimacy of the cannabis industry as we know it today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, from the perspective of the industry, as you're describing, there is this sort of pull from the market in terms of these solutions. Um, you know, there's the, the, the demand for cannabis products is really not stopping. Um, and in a lot of ways it's surging. And so it creates scalability problems for the entire supply chain that almost require that these technology tools be built yesterday. Um, and so for, um, you know, for a lot of technologists, they, you know, like to tinker with new software and technology that doesn't necessarily yet have a solution. Here is this massive solution that just needs to be addressed. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a no brainer to be working on certain problems like this. Right. Right. And it's exciting. It's exciting to have your hands in, in new solutions and, and, and new answers in an industry like this, you know, and, and, so if we look back 10 years, you know, cannabis back then was, um, what do I want to say? It was, it was a little more risque. It was a little, there was a bigger risk getting involved in cannabis. Um, there was a lot more stigma 10 years ago. There was a lot more stereotypes 10 years ago. But, you know, today I feel like the cannabis industry looking forward has a much different image than it did say 10 years ago. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the future of the cannabis industry and, and where you think we'll be in another 10 years. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. The industry has certainly professionalized quite a bit over the past few years, um, even since I've been in the industry about you know half a decade ago. And I think it'll ultimately continue to be that way um, and to continue to professionalize. but. There is kind of a mixture between um, like a happy medium in between a lot of uh, the folks who have really built up this industry over the past few decades uh, in the medical market um, in the Prop 215 days, uh, at least in California. And, um, you know, make, uh, having that those that DNA be in a bigger mixing pot with uh, your corporate suit and ties. Um, I think everyone sees opportunity and everyone has a different lens in terms of how solutions need to be built. I think um, the right companies will recruit uh, talent that comes from both ends of that spectrum because um, there is a component of the industry that is grounded in that heritage. Um, and so making sure that uh, you still maintain that culture within your company of understanding what cannabis actually is, how it can be helpful um, to society, to patients, to consumers, um, and, uh, you know, mixing that with, um, you know, 
other, you know, just to give example, folks from Wall Street who, um, you know, obviously know how to build businesses and um, scale them um, and and put them together to make uh, to, to consolidate for for a, you know for the industry's benefit. Um, I think it'll be a, over the next ten years. It'll be a game of um, how can these two sort of uh, uh, um, you know DNA types mix and match um, into a successful company. Right. Tell me what's on the horizon for Navis. Obviously, you have a pretty well-established network there in California. As the industry is starting to expand and more states are coming online, do you foresee a day where you're working in other states? Absolutely. Um, you know, our goal is never just to be in California alone. Um, you know, we, we, we are always thinking about how to improve the value to our customers um, from a distribution, from an e-commerce standpoint. So when it come, as it comes to uh, brands for the first few years of our existence, um, California has always been and probably will always be a marquee market uh, for cannabis brands to really um, cut their teeth on, find their consumers, find their, find their audience. And as time goes on, brands obviously themselves will want to go out of state too. And so for us, it's really about taking their lead on which markets they want to be in. Um, and ultimately that's going to attract more brands given uh, that increasing our distribution network is ultimately going to be more valuable to, um, uh, to, to any given customer that we work with. So if you have, or if we have somebody watching today that's interested in what Navis does, maybe they want to inquire about working for you or just learn more about the company. Um, tell us how they can get in touch with you. How can they learn more about Navis in general? Yeah, uh, first place is to go to Navis.com, uh, our, our homepage. Uh, you can learn all about our services. You can learn about you know our cultural um, ethos, our core values, um, and you can also find open positions there as well. Um, and uh, you know, should you want to apply, you can go through that form there. Um, and then we also have um, a, a, an email handle called careers at navis.com. So C-A-R-E-E-R-S at navis.com that you can email um, to uh, you know, send over a cover letter or a resume um, and uh, we'll, we'll get in touch. Right now we're uh, recruiting for a lot of roles um, on all sides of the business, one being uh, like software engineering roles, senior level positions, um, and uh, product team folks, uh, as well as uh, operations team members uh, in, in, in both NorCal and Southern California. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking to grow the company. Uh, the industry is growing quite a bit as well. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that, um, you know, we can do our part to continue to benefit the customers. And so, um, you know, we're really looking to bring in some top talent um, for, for, for the company. Fantastic. You know, it's, it's so exciting. I, I think this year, especially after we've had kind of that, that lull in things last year, it's, it's exciting to see companies expanding and it's definitely exciting or it's been exciting for me this year to see um, everybody kind of launching forward. I feel like 2020, we kind of sat still and evaluated and, and reevaluated and, and thought about things. And now it seems like everybody is, is ready to move forward and, and, put 2020 behind us and, and launch into a new future. So it's, it's exciting to hear companies hiring and, and bringing on all these great jobs. And obviously we want to encourage people to take a look at the cannabis industry because it, it's, it's an exciting field. It's not, um, 
it's definitely come a long way in the last 10 years, but there's so much more that can be done and, and it needs good, talented people behind it to, to really drive us forward. So we love the, having you here on the show today, Vince, and, and talking a little bit about what you do and, and what you've learned in, in your transition into the cannabis industry. So thank you very much for your time. I, I really appreciate it today. Yeah, thanks, Christina. Thank you for your time as well. Um, it's been fun. <laughs>